Welcome back to a new episode of the Teacher Check-In Podcast, hosted by Brave New Teaching Kentucky. Kentucky students like me are rooting for you, so we'll hope you'll listen up and take care of yourselves. And I am joined this evening by Ashley Lamb Sinclair, Connor O'Brien, and Chloe Rousey. And this is a really special uh, session to me because I have a connection to Ashley, Connor, and Chloe um, in different ways. I've been in the profession now uh, for 23 years, and throughout my profession, I've mentored a lot of people. And in a previous episode of Brave Teacher Kentucky, you heard the mentorship that Ashley and I um, have shared with one another um, for a number of years now. Um, but Connor and Chloe are both pre-service teachers who I taught at the University of Kentucky. So I'm really glad that they joined our conversation um, this evening as well. By way of introduction, I did tell you I, who I am, and I've been doing this for 23 years. I am a national board certified teacher. And the reason I mentioned that is because it plays in really well with my story about why I um, left the profession and then ultimately returned. Also on the call is Ashley Lamb Sinclair, who is also a national board certified teacher. And she's the 2016 Kentucky Teacher of the Year. And I think that's pretty amazing. Um, I remember the moment that was announced and it was just awesome. And then um, we have Connor O'Brien, who just recently graduated from the University of Kentucky MIC program and is looking for a job as a high school social studies teacher. And Chloe Rousey is an undergrad. She is a rising senior at the University of Kentucky in um, health and physical education and will be certified K through 12 for that. So welcome, Ashley, Connor, and Chloe. Good to be here. Thank you. So today we do want to talk about um, our our journeys into the profession and why we why we leave and why we uh, return to the profession. And I'll start just by sharing a little bit about uh, my story. I was a um, I started teaching in North Carolina and then I moved to Kentucky with a couple of babies. Um, and taught for a number of years in Lexington, uh, taught high school. And that's where I first met Ashley. And things were going really well. I enjoyed what I was doing. I loved my students. I really appreciated my colleagues. But um, after about 12 years of teaching, I, all, I was looking for new challenges. And I was looking for places where I felt like I had an opportunity to learn and grow in new ways. And I had been at two different high schools in those 12 years and experienced a lot of different things, but decided ultimately to learn and grow in a way that I wanted to, I needed to leave the classroom. And so in 20, uh, 2009, I left the classroom and I stayed out of the classroom for eight years. Um, during those eight years, I was still in education, working in different um, or for different organizations and learning and growing and um, traveling around the nation, talking to education leaders. It was a tremendous opportunity. I loved all of it. Um, and there were moments when I thought I could do that forever. And I probably could have. Um, but I sat at a meeting the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards meeting 
um, one time at one of the national meetings I attended, and I heard a woman named Genevieve DeBose talk about how she was leaving the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards organization as an employee, and she was returning to the classroom in New York City. And I was so awed by that. I thought that was the coolest thing ever, that she would leave this position at this prestigious organization and return to the classroom. And so I, I didn't do anything about my own journey then, but that was inspiration for me. And then a couple years later, it was time for me to renew my own national board certification. And I didn't have a classroom because I was not a teacher at the time. I, um, so I borrowed a classroom of a, of a friend and colleague. And during that experience, I realized, oh, well, I actually really miss this, this act of uh, teaching high schoolers. And so I actively um, thought about um, making a return. And within another year, I returned to the classroom and I've been back in the classroom for the last four years. And um, it's been great. Um, at the same time, there are moments when I think, hmm, hmm, this is maybe one of those reasons why I took a break from teaching. <laughs> um, and that is because I feel like oftentimes teachers' voices are not valued. I feel like um, teachers aren't always supported the way that they should be supported as professionals. We need to teach teachers, treat teachers like professionals rather than as the children that they teach. So um, that might, you know, give you something to think about. Should we stay or should we go? Yeah, and for me, um, I don't know, Renee, do you want to talk about leaving and not coming back yet? Or is that, yes, is that where you want to go? Yeah, I think that's perfect because, you know, I had this returning, but I want to be clear that even though I'm really happy to be back, there are moments when I still think I could be doing this other job that I loved and was so good at. Um, and, you know, I... I, I am glad to be teaching, but there are moments when I, I still, <laughs> I still question if that was Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, well, and I, it's funny you say that because there have been a handful of times in the last six months or so where I found myself around a group of kids, um, you know, and particularly like middle school into teenage years, because that was, you know, my bread and butter, um, and I, it's like this whole side of me will turn on that it's like it's repressed, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh, I just, this whole like human being just came out that I don't get to put to use uh, all the time. And I do miss that. I do really miss that. Um, but for me, my story is that um, I taught, I think my last year, my last year in the system was as an instructional coach. Um, I loved doing that work. I really did. I particularly loved working with really creative, enthusiastic teachers. I loved doing that. And there were moments where I was like, wow, this is it. This is, this is what I'm built for. I did not like being quasi-admin. I did not like evaluating in any kind of way teachers. Um, I didn't like, you know, uh, 
I, I, I just did not like that role and that was not well suited for me. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, that was the gateway for me exiting the profession altogether. Um, so um, that time that I spent in the classroom over that, that time period, um, I love that I got lots of different um, views from like different schools, school environments, you know, um, and I loved it. Like I always, I mean, you know, Renee, like we, we worked together and I just, I just was really passionate about teaching and designing curriculum and mm-hmm. working with students and uh, empowering young people and building student agency. All of that stuff was just, you know, very much my passion. My choice to leave was because another road kind of unveiled itself and that was into the startup world which I had not um of course you know I started teaching when I was 22 I had no concept of what a career outside of education would even be like and when I had the opportunity to do that I took it because it was new and different and like I said that last year as an instructional coach just didn't feel right anymore um and I just knew that I needed to try something else or else I, I would probably regret it if I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the re and that was in 2018 is when I finally, you know, took the full leap and where I am right now, like I was saying is like, I, I do miss working with students. I'm still incredibly like, I'm literally designing summer programming right now. Like I'm designing curriculum. I'm working on, I'm coaching teachers who are working on student agency. You know, there's a lot, I'm dabbling in lots of different um, areas of education that I had always worked in um, and cared about in the classroom or not. But for me right now, the reason I'm not going back um, is because at this moment, you know, never say never, I don't know what the road will, will lead me to, but um, the reason I'm not going back now is mostly twofold. One, the autonomy. I just, mm-hmm. once I had a taste of like determining how my own day would go and the kinds of work that I wanted to do and being able to say no to the kinds of things I didn't want to do. Again, I started teaching at 22. I had never experienced that as an adult. <laughs> and it's just, I'm just at a phase in my life where that is really valuable to me. Um, and then the the second reason that I will not go back right now is because to be completely transparent and frank, um, I'm just, I miss working with students. I miss collaborating with educators. I have some real concerns about the system and some of the just internal processes that, that are just natural um, for so many people in the system. And I just, I just don't, um, I just don't think it's a good fit for me at this point because having worked outside of the system, I just feel um, like going back in, I would just know too much for my own good right now. <laughs> I think I would, I would not be beneficial to my colleagues or to my students because I w- I'm just still in the cynical, frustrated phase. Mm-hmm. I, I um, remember um, feeling similarly, um, you know, we had a little different path in when we left the, when you left the classroom, when I left the classroom or whatever, but the autonomy is certainly something I miss. And to be honest, this year teaching, um, remotely from home 
so many teachers were complaining about it. I thought it was great because <laughs> I had autonomy again. And I thought, this is what I've been missing, you know, since I returned to the classroom. I have this freedom again to, you know, negotiate my schedule and when I'm working on things. And um, I, I loved the autonomy of that. And that's definitely one of um, the things that I miss about being back in the classroom. Now, that being said, I want to, you know, even when I was not um, teaching high school at the time, when I wasn't teaching high school, I was teaching um, for uh, the University of Kentucky, just one class each semester. And that's actually how I got to know Connor and Chloe, who are on this call. They were in a, a literacy class that I taught. And I think it's really interesting to think about I mean, what I loved about teaching at UK was I loved working with pre-service teachers. That was probably my favorite part. But also the schedule was more flexible. I still had some freedom about when I was doing things. And, you know, it wasn't all day, every day from 7.30 a.m. to 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, and so I, I appreciated that. But I would be really curious, um, Connor and Chloe, if you would want to weigh in on anything about what Ashley or I shared and, you know, what are, what excites you about entering the profession? I, I, for me, like, it's, it's interesting to hear you all uh, talk about this because um, every time I was like telling someone I was going into this profession, they'd always tell me that, well, real estate isn't like too far away potentially. And so I was like constantly being reminded of like other options than like teaching itself, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, but for me, um, uh, it, we, I guess I kind of like have my own like teaching philosophy where, um, you know, I want students to, I kind of want to build students a better character. And I want to make sure that like over time, like the leadership in the classroom, like from, from my point of view, you know, kind of like shifts over to them so that, you know, they're, they're, everybody's being a leader in the classroom. And so, and, and that comes with like thinking critically, um, you know, uh, respectfully like evaluating and analyzing, uh, you know, different topics um, and kind of just like formulating, you know, people's own arguments and opinions and kind of like backing it with source work. Uh, and that's kind of what I wanted to do as a, as a teacher to kind of just build um, and like grow a classroom of leaders. Um, and so that's kind of what I've been excited for as I like move into um, hopefully uh, move into some classroom soon. Um, and I. So for me personally, being a physical education and health major, this, it always kind of scares me of getting burnt out or being in a really bad school with, you know, not the best admin. I feel like that's when a lot of times teachers do burn out and want to leave the profession. Um, so I am applying to grad school and I'm wanting to do educational leadership sort of as a backup. I mean, I, I know in my heart that I want to teach PE and health, but I just don't know how long I'll be able to. And I'm hoping maybe with the educational leadership um, degree, I'll maybe work my way up in admin and take care of my teachers more so than some teachers do now, because I mean, my mom's a high school teacher right now in Hardin County, and they're switching their admin right now. And just the story she tells me, it's scary. You don't want to have bad leadership that makes you not want to teach anymore. And I think as a pre-service teacher coming up, um, 
very soon on student teaching, it's nerve wracking for sure. Because I think that's one of the reasons why I started substitute is I wanted to get a feel for different schools and different leadership and how the teachers interact with each other because you don't want to teach in a toxic environment. And I think a lot of times it can lead to that. Oh, most definitely. Leadership makes a huge difference. And honestly, um, the current leadership I have at my school has made a huge difference for me this year. Um, I've been working on this Brave Teacher Kentucky project with Ashley and some other colleagues and on a Pritchard Committee project around mental well-being. Mm-hmm. And I, my um, assistant principal has attended Zooms that I've led. He's read the article that I wrote, Ashley and I wrote with another colleague, Natalie, um, and he has shared it with other administration. I, I, I don't remember ever feeling that supported in that tangible way um, in previous settings. Um, so I, you know, I definitely think leadership makes a really big difference in the experience we have about staying or going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And, you know, when I was talking about the system, you know, I think that's a part of it, right? I mean, I've been in, I've been in a school that was closed down um, oh, wow. and I, you know, by the state. And ironically, that was one of my favorite places to work until the very end, <laughs> until the <laughs> last year. I loved working there. Um, I had a great principal. I had awesome colleagues and yeah, it was rough, but it was also, there was a community there, which really helped. Um, I, I, when I, the system for me is kind of some of those, some of those things that just, and again, having worked in four different schools over that time period too, like looking at it across the spectrum for me, it's like the things that we just do without questioning we just think like this is the way it's supposed to be and no one really questions it. I, I'm just kind of tired of that. And, and I'm, my hope is that this moment that we're in will be that moment where teachers like yourselves are coming in, having only known this, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we, as we go through this year, I really hope that there is a moment where it's like, wait, we don't have to do it this way. Like, why do we think we have to do it this way? Um, You know, that's my hope going forward, you know, for education in general, for all of us, those entering, those maintaining, those who have left and maybe want to come back, those working outside of the, the traditional system and other avenues of education. You know, that is my hope is that we go forward all asking ourselves like, why are we doing this? And is there a better way? Is there another way to do this that is more equitable, you know, and humanitarian, really? Oh, without a doubt. And I would come back, Ashley, to what Connor was saying about wanting to teach students to think critically and be their own people. That's, that's what I've wanted from day one of my teaching, too. That's my, the dream. So how do we do that in our system that is so weighed down by bureaucratic heaviness and old ways of thinking and doing as a larger system. Um, How do we do that? Yeah, that's, I think that's the difficult question that everybody's trying to find an answer to currently. Um, 
I think one thing too is kind of like for me, right. I'm, I'm, I've learned like kind of more inquiry based, like design, uh, instructional planning and curriculum planning. Right. And so like going into a school with like, you know, with that as on my resume or like that, like something I can provide to a, a PLC or something like that. Um, I may go somewhere where they have been stuck with what they've been doing for like 20 plus years and they don't want to change or budge at all. And so then maybe they're even wanting me to teach a certain way too. And so that kind of, you know, can be, you know, you know, conflicts of interest. And so that can cause issues, especially, you know, I, I think, I think for as younger teachers are coming in, I think they're being more open-minded to kind of like what is being taught to, you know, these pre-service teachers coming into the classroom, what kind of curriculum designs can we change? What can we incorporate? You know, we're, we, we always constantly try to, to diversify uh, how we teach. And uh, yet some people will, you know, just stand at the front of a classroom with a, a PowerPoint and then kind of just go on and then be like, all right, we're done for the day. And then, you know, kids are just like, well, well now what? And so I think that's kind of where some of those issues lie. Um, and then, I mean, also too, it's, you know, for teachers, you were constantly being asked to do different things. So like, I mean, in the past, we've been asked to kind of like, uh, you know, we're now wanting to teach uh, character, ethics, morals. Um, we, you know, we're now we're, you're asked to kind of like almost be a social worker and teach students about suicide, online safety, bullying, et cetera. And then now this year it's, you know, you're pretty much asking us to be, uh, you know, wear a mask, face shield, gloves, you know, have a bottle of hand sanitizer. So, and, and this is kind of coming from a, an article that I, I read. It's very short. Um, it's called like, uh, when will the ask overburden teachers? And so, it's just like really fascinating to kind of see how society is just like, well, it sounds like a teacher problem and they're going to figure out the solution on their own when it's kind of like a societal issue, but they're like, you know what? Teachers got it. They can do it. And so, and I think that's kind of like an issue as well. So it's, it's really hard to kind of like figure out an answer to that question other than just bringing up, you know, the problems itself. <laughs> Yeah, and I, going off uh, what Connor said about younger teachers tending to be more open-minded, I guess because our curriculum now um, and the education programs are a little bit different, I think a lot of times older teachers are not always open to what the new teachers want to bring in because they are set in their ways, and it's hard because you don't want to butt heads with someone who's been in the same school for 20 years, but at the same time, if there's a problem, it needs to be fixed, but I think it just comes down to how can we fix it, and do I have anyone on my team? to help me fix it. And I think that kind of goes um, back to what I brought up about leadership. If your leadership's not backing up the new ideas you want to bring in, then what's the point? Okay. So Chloe, I hear you saying as new teachers, basically find your allies in the building, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that because I mean, I guess if you're talking about old teachers, I guess I would be an old teacher, though. I don't feel like I <laughs> No, I definitely doing don't this a long time. <laughs> but, uh, but what I'm saying, you know, I don't have that old kind of mindset. Right. And I mean, Ashley has worked with me also, you know, did student teaching with me. And I'm all about the like, figure it out and try some mm-hmm. things because every time I 
offer that to pre-service or new teachers that I um, work with, I learn something new and that helps me learn and grow and keep me interested in what I'm doing. So for, for early teachers, I'm hearing you say, find your allies, make it work, you know, talk to your admin, but do you like, what do you all think we can do to shake up our own profession so that, you know, um, people who have been doing something for a long time, who have been successful at it, that's the thing, you know, um, a lot of times people don't feel like they should change the way they've been doing something if they feel like they've been good at it. I don't, yeah. Anybody you have know, thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. So, like, as I'm hearing, this is something that I've been advocating for for a long time. And the more I understand it, I, honestly, like having left helps me understand this further, which is, I actually think, the outsider perspective blended with um, kind of the um, the guardian, if you will, perspective of people who have been around and know the culture. I feel like there's a blend there and I feel like there's a balance. And if there's a way to like intentionally do that within the microcosm of a school, but even like scaled out beyond that. I think that the answer lies somewhere in there because for me, my perspective is, you know, at the tail end of my career, every, or at my time in the classroom, we're talking about college and career readiness, college and career readiness. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is I started teaching when I was 22 straight out of college. What in the world do I know about career readiness? Mm-hmm. I've literally been an academic my entire life. And now I'm teaching young people how to be prepared in 2021, at that point, 2017 or what have you. And I've literally not had any experiences other than like being in a school. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that there's, there's something there that we need to pull the thread around. I mean, I've, I've suggested in the past, you know, teacher externships. If you teach biology, why not work in a biology lab? You know, like, I think rather than some of the PDs that we kind of, again, we just keep doing some of the things that we've always done. Are there new ways that we can infuse, kind of inject into schools? And I think the way to do that is through teachers, right? Like, even for me, I think, Connor, you mentioned this, having been at multiple schools, that wasn't an intentional choice that I made. It was literally life just you know, making life changes and having to find a new place to work. And, um, but I did not realize until after the fact, and I could reflect on it, how having worked in those multiple environments, even though they were schools, how having worked in those multiple environments actually gave me a really great perspective on education that I would not have had otherwise, um, had I just been, you know, in the same place that said though, I, my last year when I was an instructional coach, I, I, I came up with this phrase It popped in my head one day because I was having conflicts with a colleague of mine all the time. And that colleague was a person who had been in the building for a long time, had managed and facilitated a lot of change efforts that really, you know, brought a lot of success and achievement to the school. And I was the outsider coming in with the new ideas, right? 
And I remember thinking to myself, you know, near the end of that experience and having had such a frustrating time, um, you know, innovation is great, but we have to have innovation with compassion. If we lose the compassion part, if we lose the human part, then we're actually not going to be able to move systems. And so as I'm listening to this conversation and what you're saying, Chloe, is awesome. And Renee can attest to this, like, I've always been the type of person to like go knock on the principal's door, knock on <laughs> Renee's door and say, Hey, I've got this idea. I want to do this crazy thing. Um, and building that relationship with my leaders in a way where they trust me to do that has been critical. Right. Yeah. But you can't, you can't just like throw a bunch of new outside ideas into a, a social context of mm-hmm. school and say, here, this is better than what you've been doing. Like you have to think about right. the people Mm. Um, and the way to do that, you know, is going to be different than just bringing it off, you know, bringing open the floodgates, you know, if you will. So, well, and Ashley, I'll just speak to that in that while I was out of, while I was out of the classroom for that eight years or whatever, and I learned all these things when I returned to the classroom, I was bursting with ideas and things I wanted to try. And I was placed right back into the same old system in a school where, you know, um, if you're new to the school, you get the classes that nobody else wants to teach kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And um, that was fine. I was happy to teach whatever I was going to teach. But all these ideas I had floating in my head did not connect well with the PLC that had been doing things a certain way and wanted to do things a certain way. Um, And that um, I had to learn some new um, or some different negotiating skills so that I didn't come across as like a know-it-all, you know, because that wasn't my attitude. That's not how I felt. But I did have all these, all these things I learned that I wanted to do. Um, And, you know, um, and, and ultimately, I, I, you know, I, I spent a year in that school and it was fine, uh, but I made a transition and where I'm at now, um, you know, I feel like I'm able to try and experiment and do the things that I really feel like is the way I prefer to teach. Yes, I can attest to all of that. Um, it's like every time I entered a new school, I was like, oh my gosh, we used to do this in my old school and it was so fun and amazing. And they're like, we don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it, t- it takes time. It's all about the relationship. You know, it's all about building those relationships with your colleagues and building trust with the people around you, I think. Yes, definitely a trust factor um, for sure. I mean, it, it can be so hard even, um, even still, Um, if we're, you know, doing curriculum work, which was what I did for all those years that I was outside of a classroom, um, you know, just to remember and mind my place now, you know, I have something to offer, but I'm not, I'm not leading the charge this time. So I need to just be quiet. (laughs) Will it take? So what do you need as pre-service teachers are entering the profession? What do you need from those of us who are still in the profession? And for those who are supporting the profession in roles like Ashley is in, what, what, what will help make you want to be there and do this, do this hard and important work? Well, as we've been talking, I've been kind of thinking about like some 
I don't know, some things. Um, how many PD hours does your uh, Woodford require for teachers? Um, well, we have some that are required by the district, but I think the state has a certain number that we're all supposed to have. Um, and I, I don't know what the exact number is. I just I think it's 24. Call. Is it 24? Mm-hmm. I just know, like, they tell us what we have to do, right? You have to go to six hours of this and six hours of that and three hours of this and four hours of that. So I've lost track of the number. Of right, that. right, exactly. And it's, and, and so they're, they're telling you to do these hours and it's almost like it's a, it's a check, check the box, right? It's you're checking it off the box and then you're kind of throwing it away. But it, for some of these PD hours that you may even find interesting and, you know, some others may not, you're not really taking what you've learned and applying it into the classroom. Like no one's going to come in and, and check and make sure like, oh, you went to that PD meeting. I got to make sure that you're, you know, maybe incorporating this. And so I don't know, it, it, it would be very extra. I, and I know that, but um, like just you know, having a school bring in some, you know, speaker, right. That kind of talks about how they incorporate, I don't know, maybe uh, critical race theory. Right. Um, and kind of like seeing now, like how can you incorporate that into a lesson or two kind of in a unit potentially. And so, I, and I know that is difficult because I know a lot of, you know, teachers plan ahead. Right. And so it's kind of hard to kind of uh, just insert something, you know, almost new, but it would be interesting to kind of like see, you know, teachers learn something new and kind of like try and apply it, especially for like older teachers and see if it actually works for them or doesn't. Cause I mean, it's a different story if you learn something and then just never do anything about it as opposed to learning something, doing it and then failing at it. And then that way you either a know that the, Hey, this just doesn't work for me or B like, okay, maybe there was something here. How can I do it better? And then kind of like improving upon yourself and building upon yourself. And so I think that would be something that's potentially interesting or at least helpful for, you know, new teachers coming in. Mm-hmm. Chloe, what do you think? What do you think it will take, you know, to, to, for you to want to, because you've already said you even have a backup plan. So what do you think it will take for you to feel like, oh, I really do want, and I get to uh, teach health and physical education and I'm going to feel good about what I'm doing. I think for myself personally, I have the passion for it. And so I think when I can see the kids like, progress change throughout the years and their physical activity or just I don't know I feel like a lot of times I want to teach in the title um like one of the lower schools and a low-income school just because I want to be the difference and I want to help those children so I think if I were in one of the lower income schools seeing a student as the year goes on smile every time they come into class or not have any um like panic attack episodes from something that happened the night before like just being able to help so like not really the professional development side because I haven't had any professional development yet and I don't know um, what I'll take from it. But I think for myself, it's just a lot of, I guess, more of an internal drive. Mm-hmm. You know, that reminds me, you saying that, I actually saw something on social media about it today. And it was something that um, when I was a coach, I would often start conversations this way, which is, you know, I think so often, like when we sit down to plan a lesson, right? Like we're taught to first look to the standard. What's the Mm -hmm. standard, right? 
And I think I naturally, maybe I always did this, but I think I was more intentional about it and thoughtful about it later, which is like, why, like the first thing we should do is start with like, why are we doing it? Right. Mm -hmm. That may be the standard, but I also really think that for teachers, like we all know, I would say even the two of you have experienced this, you know, as student teachers is like the best lessons are the ones that your heart is in, you know, Mm -hmm. that your passion is coming through. And I, I would love to see, you know, I think a, a component of teacher recruitment and retention going forward is going to be, you know, making sure that that why, that, that why of who you are, right? Like, why did you come into the profession? When I heard you saying that, you know, you have the passion for physical education, like, for me, the reason I became a teacher is because education was freedom for me, for my mm-hmm. own life, right? Like I'm a first generation college student. Being educated was the thing that like empowered me, right? I love doing it. And so I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to share that freedom and that empowerment with my students. I didn't necessarily know that at the time, but over time you become more conscious of it. And I think if we can just each of us like hold on to that and, and Renee, to your point, you know, the more seasoned teachers centering themselves with that, as well as, you know, encouraging that in younger teachers as well. I've had a lot of amazing mentor teachers in every place I've been who've been like, why are you doing that? You know, who've like made me question what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I think when you get back to that center is when you do your best work. And I think that's when we're going to have more educators who want to come and want to stay. Because if you're bringing yourself and your passion and your own drive to it, that's what's also going to resonate with students. I think there, you know, definitely all of that and keeping that passion. And I, I think, you know, for a while, maybe I... Um, started to lose some of that. And I, so I took a break and I went and did something else, but I'm back doing it and I have that passion. And, you know, I have a little bit of an attitude adjustment too, which has gone (laughs) a long way, a long way um, in making my return to teaching a positive experience where I feel like I can impact um, students in ways that are positive. And, um, you know, I, have new tools now for um, dealing with my attitude also and that, (laughs) that, um, you know, I've been able to try those out with students and um, it's, it's been great, you know, Um, and every morning I practice, I write in my journal and I prepare for the day and we still have eight days to go. And a lot of my colleagues had their last day today. So it was hard to go to school today. (laughs) So before I went, I, practice my little tool of making a gratitude list of everything I like about my um, teaching position. And (laughs) by the time I got there, I was in a really good mood and ready to do what I needed to do. But you know, Renee, that's listening to you though, you know, I think to close this out and make sure, like you said, we're, we're ending on the positive, which is this, like, that is true of any, like, since I have left the system, I've had a handful of roles. Primarily now, you know, I, I lean into the consulting. And so I've worked with many different organizations in many different environments since that time. And 
Um, you know, there's always some kind of compromise. There's always some kind of trade-off. There's always something that you're like, I wish it wasn't this way. That's going to be true of anything. I think the the main thing that we have to keep, that we have to remind ourselves about teaching that's maybe different than other professions, which is, which you don't have to remind yourselves because you're all doing it, which is that it is so emotionally charged and there's mm-hmm. so much of an emotional burden that educators carry um, that just isn't true for a lot of other professions, not all, but a lot. And so while there are always those trade-offs with any role, regardless of what you're, regardless of what you're doing, um, caring for that emotional um, burden that comes with teaching and be, and like you said, like you've got your tools, you know how to take care of yourself in that way. Um, and I think if we, if we embed the system with those kinds of tools so that teachers have them and know them and the system is built around that, um, then that will help too. And honestly, that's what we are doing with this podcast series. We are, um, putting out more resources for teachers to think about how they can be brave and be well. Yeah, I, I think that's good. I, I like the, the the concept of like reflective practices, like keeping a journal of like, you know, maybe just after yeah, each class or something like that. I think that's very helpful for teachers because I don't I don't know if it's true because, you know, I'm still waiting for like my midlife crisis, but it, it seems like <laughs> teachers, teachers have like a occupational like crisis, like every five years, maybe it seems like. Seven. I don't know if this is true. Seven. Every seven. Okay, seven. Okay. Seven so, you know, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Seven year itch. So, and I, and I think kind of like practices like those would definitely be on the more, you know, positive, more preventative side. Um, that kind of like, uh, like those constant reminders that like you're here for the right reasons and what you're doing is what you want to be doing. And so I, I think those are, you know, things we should strive for as, you know, teachers entering the field. I think that's a really good point. And I don't mean to talk too much, but I want to also say this other thing that I think is really important because one of the reasons Renee and I were thinking about this being a topic for a podcast episode was because I, since the pandemic, I personally have had a lot of teachers who are colleagues and friends reach out to me explicitly for advice on their own career path. And I think that's probably because I did leave. Um, But I think it's also important to recognize it's okay to leave. Um, I think there's an identity shift a bit when you've taught for so long that you're like, I am a teacher and I don't know what else to do. You know, if I, if I'm not teaching, what am I? And, and I think being a teacher is, you know, we say it's a calling, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when it's not your calling anymore? Right. And, then there's an identity shift that has to happen there that can be a struggle. I personally struggled with that. Like I, I still do, Mm -hmm. you know, I still have moments where I'm like, I'm in education, but I don't get to say I'm a teacher anymore. I'm not a teacher. I did teach, but I am not, I am not a teacher. And so um, I think it's okay to recognize that if anybody is listening to this and you're like, I don't know that this is the right thing for me anymore. And, or, I need a break. I want to go do something else for a while. I always had my quit teaching job, which was to be a florist. Like I, I would like <laughs> fantasize, like I'm going to go work in a florist, you know, as a florist in the floral shop, you know, I think that's okay. And it's important to recognize that that's okay. Like, even if this is your calling, 
it still is your calling and maybe your calling is going to get redirected a bit and that is perfectly fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Breaks are good. Doing what makes you happy is, is good. I mean, if, if you're not, it, 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 it'll reflect in a, a classroom, even if you don't think it is. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It, so I, I think that's always a good idea. Yeah, no, I mean, constantly we've been told as like, for me, like entering the field by like other uh, professors and other teachers, like every teacher due to like this last year due to the pandemic has like hit that wall of like, am I leaving or staying? And like, you know, personally, someone who's entering the field, like I- I'd be lying if I was like, I mean, I hope more leaving, <laughs> you know, just so I can get a job. But I mean, it is also like still extremely sad to see people who do really love this kind of just hit that wall. Um. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Teacher Check-In Podcast, hosted by Brave New Teaching Kentucky. And remember to be brave and be well.